Welcome back to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. I just want to say that, that I'm extremely grateful that you tune in and listen to this and you're committed to your growth and expansion in this subject relationally and personally and individually and all those things. And how grateful I am that I get to do this, that I have this honor and privilege to talk about the things I nerd out about and talk with people who nerd about I nerd out about the things I nerd out about. So this is such a I'm so grateful to have this opportunity, so thank you. This week we are chatting about a subject that I believe needs to be chatted about more, not just by me, but everybody. And I've done a couple podcasts on this subject, um, sort of loosely. First one was with Dr. Alexandra Solomon, the first episode I did with her, and it we discussed a bit sex and sexuality and a couple weeks ago. Uh, with Dr. Christopher Ryan, and that one was about the anthropological evolution of us as a species and our sex and our sexuality and what is actually true about us as a as a species and what is actually true about us anthropologically. And I find that to be very fascinating because it gives us permission to actually be ourselves, to actually learn that desire is normal, that to have sexual fantasy and, and maybe even some quirky sexual things, right? That it gives us permission to be human. And the reason this discovery, and if this is triggering anything of you, discomfort or anything, remember you're in the privacy of your headphones or the privacy of your car or wherever you listen to this, that we need to learn about our sexual selves because in relationships so much about or, or what shows up sexually is usually, um, like if there's challenges, is usually an expression of challenges that are showing up relationally and as couples or or whatever group you know number of people you got in there we have to turn towards the problem or the challenge sorry as a couple and a team and not putting it on the individual because when it's on the individual then they experience shame about it and then they can't turn towards it because they believe they're the sole reason there's this experience or disconnection and so it really is about turning towards, and this is true of all relational challenges, not just ones that are sexual, but all relational challenges should be turned towards as a team, rather it be in between you, it sits outside of you, and it's you side by side facing it. That's a big transition, and that's a powerful transition. So the reason this subject is one that sort of hits home for me, and I get very passionate about it, well, one, because I'm a human and sex is human. The other one is that we do not generally teach people to be sexually empowered. Our education system doesn't tend to, and it depends on, of course, what part of the education system you went through or what state or area you grew up in or what part of the world you're in. And, you know, a lot of states teach abstinence, which doesn't work. And a lot of religions teach that sex is bad. And culturally, we will often teach that too because they're often so um, enmeshed with each other. And when we don't talk about sex and we don't teach sex and sexual empowerment, what happens is, or we teach that sex is bad and desire is bad and that you shouldn't masturbate and it's you'll go to hell or you're, you know, something's wrong with you. Then what happens is is because we are human beings and we have sexual desire, we naturally have it. It's evolutionary programmed in us to be there. 
when we teach people that desire is bad, or even what we desire is bad, then we are inherently saying that a part of us is bad. And you can't get away from that if if you are raised or and or educated in that way you either have to drop the belief system that carries that or change your belief about yourself to accommodate it and that's really important to recognize because that shows up everywhere in relationship in that if you believe that you are unworthy then you will allow and even pursue things and people and situations that further reinforce your unworthiness. So this is about getting curious about you and yourself and where you come from and how that sexual story shows up relationally with your partner's sexual story. You know, it's not so different to how your money story shows up with your partner's money story. You know, all these different ways we can look relationally that really empower us to learn more about ourselves so that we can have the kind of sex we want and the sex that satisfies us and it fulfills us and this is often a subject people get really scared and vulnerable talking about and turn red and don't want to and blah 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 so i'll do all that part i'll say the embarrassing shit i got no problem with that so i'm grateful that you're here and i'm excited to be able to talk about this subject which is such a blessing and an honor that i can safely do that and so I want to acknowledge that, that is, I'm blessed to be where I am and, and to have this opportunity that I live in a place that, although this is often shamed or shunned or avoided, I get to choose to step towards it anyways with really no cost to me. So I appreciate and acknowledge that first. And without, uh, you know, waiting, <laughs> foregoing, although foreplay is great to extend, actually extending this is probably not exciting you as much. Um, so first off, uh, please, uh, wherever you listen to this, if you could leave me a five-star review and a written review, that is so helpful to get this in more ears to help more people, which is ultimately my purpose is to help people get the education and understanding that they need to build powerful connective relationships, which all of us are worthy of and all of us can learn. That education should not be special for anyone. Not anyone should be, um, not allowed to have that. So let's share that. And if you are looking to dive deeper into the understanding of yourself and who you are as a human being and how you show up in relationship, where you come from, my partner Kylie and I created a course called How to Create the Love, and it goes through all of that and empowers you to create what you truly want. You can be in a relationship or not. It doesn't matter. All you have to do is go to bit.ly slash create the love, bit.ly slash create the love. And because you are a podcast listener and I love you, I want you to save 50 bucks. If you pay uh, upfront for the whole cost, then you can use the discount code create the podcast. And if you want to spread the payments over three months, you can use the code create the payment. And that's how simple it is. So if you're paying all up uh, at front, create the podcast. And if you want to put it in payments, create the payment. Those are the discount codes to save yourself 50 bucks. And you just go to bit.ly slash create the love. So this week I have the holistic sex coach on Jamie Elizabeth Thompson. I had so much fun jamming with her because she's so free flowing. She's so open. She's so transparent. She doesn't care about editing herself, which I think we can all learn from, right? Which I think is a ongoing experience to 
edit yourself less as you learn that you're editing yourself. That's something that you learn through expression and suppression and repression. So Jamie Elizabeth Thompson, oh my gosh. I just love that she has stepped into this gift of transparency and talking about masculine feminine and really stepping into this subject that we need to step into. So without further ado, let's dive in and get into it and really figure it out and bring this subject to the forefront. And if you could share this episode, that would be amazing. So we can help get shame out of the way and sexual empowerment into everybody's ears. I love all of you. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Jamie Thompson, holistic sex and intimacy coach. So, you know, what does that mean to people? Like when when you have that title, what is it encapsulated for us? Give us a an idiot's guide to holistic sex and intimacy coaching. Absolutely. So what I do is I support men, women, and couples in awakening deeper levels of their connection to their sensuality and their sexuality and learn how to communicate about their desires in a way that occurs like an opportunity for their partner or partners and open themselves up to receive more pleasure and be more turned on by life itself. I I like to take the approach of a holistic approach because I believe that the the bedroom and our sexual desire is the greatest personal development tool that no one ever taught us how to use. Yeah, so if and, we learn and, how to use that, then it actually multiplies our power and effectiveness and joy in life. Well, and in so many ways, our sex and sexuality was actually used to suppress us and to you know like restrain us and cause you know, ends up being one of the greatest reasons that we don't know we need personal growth. Like, you know, like so much shame, so much, all those things about sex and sexuality. And the fact that you can kind of figure out what's going on in a couple in a relationship, individually and separately, just based on the challenges people have in the bedroom. Yeah, I look at it as as if the whole relationship is this big mansion of a house and sexuality is... an excellent hallway in, you know, it's like a way into the entire psyche and ecosystem of a relationship. So there's a way that we can work on, you know, if you want to have better communication in life, you can work on that in the bedroom. If you want to be more confident and powerful, that's absolutely something you can activate in the bedroom. And I also, I've studied Taoist philosophy and there's a lot of ways that in simply viewing our sexuality as an energy system, we can learn to cultivate it so that we can harness more of our power in life. And I think that thing you said is is brilliant because this has been suppressed. Why has sexuality been suppressed in our culture? Because it's one of our greatest power sources. So when we can learn to activate that and use it as just pure energy, then the sky's the limit. So when people are, you know, in, I guess I've heard of this where when people masturbate and release, maybe more for men than for women, that it is often like their creative energy being released. And I know there's a chapter in Think and Grow Rich, I believe, about 
in what was the word that he sexual used? Sexual transmutation. Transmutation, yeah. So is the idea is like taking this sexual energy, not spilling it all over the world, like we tend to if we're um, not in a healthy relationship to our sexuality, and then actually using it as a creative flow. Yeah, I see it as being as as sex is an area that much of the time, if you haven't actually taken a look at it, it's unconscious. You're just engaging in unconscious patterns. But when you can bring consciousness, attention, and awareness to sexuality, you can actually use your self-pleasure practice or your sexual activity with your partner as a sexual transmutation process. So part of what Napoleon Hill was talking about in Think and Grow Rich um, is, is this idea of, of abstaining from sex and directing that into work to make more money, right? Like that was part or, or into your creative endeavors, specifically for men, like you said. And I believe that there's a, like a modern upgrade to this where we can actually through the circulation of energy with a partner or with ourself and bringing awareness to that, use our sexuality as a manifestation tool. I mean, in the state of orgasm, whether you're in the wave of the orgasmic experience or you're actually in a climax, there's so much concentrated energy at that time. So if you are focusing on your vision in life or you are present to what you're creating and you're filling yourself with that creative life force, it, it opens up a field of, of possibility where you can really, you know, in quantum physics, it's like collapsing the wave into a particle mm-hmm. where it's like you can actually focus your attention on what you want happening in this moment. And it's directing a lot of life force in that direction. So I see a, a like kind of a, a different take on sexual transmutation and using it that way. It seems like I think about it like in the middle of, you know, you're about to climax and it's like getting an idea in the shower. If you're thinking about your work, all of a sudden you're like, get me a notepad. What? I got to write something down. But you mean it more so in taking that actual energy and making it very intentional in whether it's uh, creation between couples, like between people, or I guess like, you know, maybe in a threesome that would get a little more complex with all the planning. But you know what I mean? It, well, or each person, if we're just present to more of what we want to create in life, instead of like, you know, and, and I have nothing, I have no issue with fantasy, but if you're wanting to use your sexuality as a personal development tool and as a manifestation tool, actually focusing your attention on what you want in that time is, is a tool for, for manifestation. I have a, a couple that I, that I'm working with who began focusing on their like quarterly goals in the bedroom together. And they, and they started hitting them, you know, they started it <laughs> I love that. practice to bring, you know, I love working with, with power couples and, and entrepreneurs and, or growth minded people who are just up to something in life. And they, and they started hitting their goals. You know, it's like they actually started up leveling in their life and, and intentionally circulating their life force through these practices. So what do you see as then if, you know, that can be a solution to our, you know, creation of what we want in life that we can harness these sexual energies. I would imagine though, that most people just because of the cultural narrative around sexuality, which is so uh, overlapping with religious narratives, you know, because it really like sexually we have been repressed for 
I mean, the sexual revolution took like a couple percentages off our repression, but like our sexual repressions, it's deep and it's like thousands of years of repression, not to mention patriarchal repression on female sexuality, you know, and, and all the conversations about toxic masculinity and masculine, you know, I, I don't really like that term personally, because I think if you said toxic, anything, you immediately trigger shame and then people won't look at what is actually shameful for, you know, what's painful or shameful, but like, what are some of the common then sexual dysfunctions or sexual repressions or manifestations that you see that get in the way of all of that, including our connections to our partners? I mean, one of the, one of the biggest things is there's this media driven idea of what our sexuality is supposed to be. And this is given by porn. This is given by Hollywood. This is given by romance novels, magazines, billboards, all all of that. And then simultaneously, you have a completely opposite programming that comes from religious programming. So you have a a programming of of overindulgence and sexual hedonism Mm -hmm. and, and this like glorified idea that everyone's just supposed to be these amazing sex gods in the bedroom, but no proper erotic education to teach people that. Yeah, right? I always thought that was weird. <laughs> right. That, like a, the first time you have sex, you're supposed to be so good at it, even though the first time a toddler walks, you're like, come on, pick up your feet, you little shit. How come you don't know how to run yet? You know, it's the same idea. Right. And there's, and I mean, if you look at sex education, it's like that training. So people are being fed this this oversaturation of sexuality that is that is void of the reverence mm-hmm. for how powerful this energy really is. Meanwhile, you have this counterproductive force of puritanical programming that's saying, you know, abstinence and you know, you oh, should God. sex is bad. So people just end up ashamed, judgmental, self-critical, confused, and not really in touch with the the, the beauty and, and the, the slowness and the nuance of the curiosity that is possible when we really show up to meet another human being with presence and, and, and curiosity and attention. So my mission is to provide a more proper erotic education where it's like, if we look at this word erotic, I feel like it's, you know, Esther Perel talks about erotic intelligence, which is one of my absolute favorite terms, because it's like developing this other intelligence, which is not taught in school, sex education, media, or porn. Mm-hmm. So there's like, it's not what we are doing. It's how are we doing it? How are we approaching it? How are we meeting our partner or partners in the bedroom in a way that is enjoyable. And, and it's, it's so funny because I have so many, I, I, I when I first start talking to, to clients, I'm like, well, you know, how is your sex life? And when they really get honest about it, so many people are just like, oh, it's not that great. But like, what, I don't really, you know, like, how do you even make it better? Like what's even possible? There's just, we know there's something missing, but we don't know what it is. And that's because there hasn't been this education of, of, how to actually be curious and how to not know. Like you said, it's like you're expected to just automatically know what to do. And it's like, no, there's an exploration that gets to happen. Yeah, like an actual, hey, I'm curious about this thing. I should go learn about this thing. But you're right that there's a massive shame, especially I think for men, 
because so much of our status and performance is based, and I don't want to like own that because I'm sure there's many conflicting and other narratives for women and for people in between even more so, you know, for, for anyone who does, who's in that fluid space. And that part of like how male identity is based on sexual performance in a lot of ways, but then fear of actually acknowledging, you know, much like uh, not being able to get a boner or um, actually feeling really conflicted with wanting to have one night stands because you're a male who's connected to their heart and then feeling like you're not manly in that space, you know, and then of course for women, be really masterful in the bedroom, but don't be too masterful because then you might be slutty and don't have the same sexual desires as men because you're not supposed to. You're supposed to want less, which is crazy, which is such a, a narrative that is totally disproven by science, but yet one that we continue. And, you know, there's research to show that women actually get bored with monogamy faster than men, which is pretty, you know, even though despite all the, you know, the narratives about that. Yeah, it's it's fascinating of like, you know, this conversation of um, the narrative of male sexual shame and then the, the narrative of female sexual repression mm-hmm. and and they, they they dance together, you know, together. It's like it creates this gridlock, this stalemate of where, where no one is satisfied. But there's there's also um people are wondering like, what's, what's the way out? So many women I talk to are like, I feel like my sexuality is restrained. Yeah, I bet. We grew up. It's like, I feel trapped or there's, or, or a lot of women are like, I have a low libido, you know, should I get on medication? There are so many instances. I, I founded a course called awakening your erotic muse. And one of the reasons why I did this is because so many women were saying, that they have a low libido and that they've never had an orgasm or they don't know how to orgasm. And then they feel bad about that. So they, so they fake orgasms and they do the, they, they try to be, they try to exist inside of this masculine paradigm of, of a a masculine climax and masculine orgasm. Mm -hmm. And and they start performing just like, you know, there's a, there's a feminine performance that happens that so many women have experienced. And I, I did it too. I remember the moment where I rolled over after faking my last orgasm. Like there was a moment where I was like, this sucks. Like I'm never doing this again. Yeah, like, like, There's literally no satisfaction other than you don't have to have a conversation with the person you just faked with. Right. And then, and then, and then I end up seeing people in relationship who have been together for five years and because she's faked it so many times, He's never learned about what she really wants. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he feels inadequate because he can tell he's not really pleasing her. She gets upset and resentful because he's not pleasing her. And she's actually mad at herself because she never actually brought the truth forward because she didn't know how. So it comes down to these communication skills in the bedroom. Yeah. And there's, so it's, it's, it's finding the way to actually deeply connect with what really turns us on. And I find that often this it, sexual dysfunction from, you know, erectile dysfunction to low libido in, in women is there's, there's a root cause of not feeling permission. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite words, permission and curiosity in the bedroom are, are two of my favorite words because there's this like, if we can actually give ourselves full permission for what we desire, 
and, and so much permission that we are willing to ask for it and, and willing to mess up and give each other the space to make mistakes and approach the, the bedroom as a dojo where I, I remember after this moment where I said I faked my last orgasm, I, I, I turned over to my partner and I just started weeping. And I was just like, I don't know if I can tell you what I really want, but I'm going to try. And I launched into this very messy description of how I wanted to be him to be more dominating, but I still wanted to be respected. And I didn't know how to ask for that because I had never really received it. And it was, it was this beautiful moment of intimacy because yeah, such real, vulnerability, totally our real desires are one of the most vulnerable things mm. that we can communicate. So therefore, when we drop into that space, we open up such deeper intimacy. But it takes this willingness to get a little messy and to make mistakes and to give each other a break. I mean, the biggest thing is like, how can we collectively give each other some space and compassion to of forgiveness while we learn, while we learn and remember how to love more deeply? One, isn't that just it is that the best sex truly is messy. I mean, literally and figuratively that you have this opportunity to playfully be curious. I think safety is a really important thing too, though. And I don't mean like obviously literally physical safety, um, but I mean in that like emotional safety that is only created and cultivated, right? Like a lot of people say, well, I don't feel safe, but they're not actually doing anything to create safety. So they live in this story that they're not safe, which allows them to not be vulnerable, you know, but the vulnerability would be saying, I don't feel safe to open up to you and to tell you what I truly want because I'm afraid you might not want it or you'll think I'm a freak or you'll think I'm crazy or you or my whole Catholic programming is repressing my voice because I can't be sexual. You know, like to actually learn your sexual story is so important of what lives, you know, below the in the ether. And, and it, it, what you said initially too really like it reminded me that so much of sex is outcome based, as you said, you know, like get the orgasm, get the outcome, but so much the deliciousness is really in all the moments before any form of outcome or conclusion or climax or, you know, and I, the climax part that you said, uh, you know, there, I remember reading this quote that said, you're never more vulnerable in the moment of orgasm. Cause you literally cannot have a wall. Like it's actually impossible for you to not be a gateway to God at the same time. And I thought that was a really cool sort of way of understanding it. Yeah. There's, this is where, you know, there's this term that's thrown around in, in certain communities of, of sacred sexuality. And it mm -hmm. can be a little bit like, um, it's like, are we really understanding and having an embodied experience of what that means of, of having the reverence for, this energy. This is the energy that creates all life. All of us exist because two people had sex. So let's remember the power of yeah. this. The and portal. Oh my God. Yeah. Have a, have a reverence for it. And, and remember that it's like, if, if we're, maybe we're not creating a baby, maybe we're creating something else, but have an awareness that sex is creation. This is a, a powerful force. And if flipped, into the shadow, it can be destructive. And we see a lot of this with really violent porn that's, that's mm -hmm. now, you know, where there's like, there's a destructive energy. I mean, the sex trafficking industry, there's 
there's a destruction that that happens when creation energy gets perverted you know where where it gets flipped and so yes absolutely remembering and and having reverence for this energy is incredibly important and i believe it's a part of the 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 cultural and collective healing as well as the individual personal healing yeah agreed and what you mentioned too about this ability to express what we actually need and want you know and and really rather than hiding our desires that end up getting sort of um exaggerated and more uh shadow based through repression that they become um you know and and i think for anyone listening the idea of shadow is really that these components of for sake of a better term the darkness that we all are capable of holding that we all we can all become like anyone we've disliked or you know if we had the same experiences as them in their own life and this idea that we project our own innocence or that we would never be like somebody else is really you know it's i like have you ever read the book free will by sam harris yes yeah, where he talks about how our own free will is just a projection of our own choices on someone else. We see a heroin addict and we're like, why don't you just quit? Because that's from our own lens. We know that we would not be in that situation had we had that chance. And um, bringing that back to this idea of sexuality and shadow is that, you know, we we know we're extremely sexual creatures because you only have to go to Craigslist to see how many people are hiding on it. Or the people who meet in the forest and hump and, you know, like, uh, what is that uh, dating site for people who are married? I don't know. Uh, I forget what it's called, but, oh, man, Ashley Madison, you know, and and it's it's the the narrative about relationships and marriage, too, are very fascinating because they're very desexualizing. And then, of course, we always believe everything that we all adhere to as a belief of society, which is, you know, I've heard so many people in my lifetime before I even ever did this work say, Oh, I don't know a lot. I don't sex. I'm married. <laughs> we don't do that. You know? And, and then, right. And then we were like, Oh yeah, that's true. But we're all secretly very scared that that will become us. If we're, if we're in a sexual relationship in a, in, in a relationship and worried that it's going to be us, or if we're actually in one where that's true, we laugh like it's normal because it's become normal because our sexual repression, our lack of curiosity, as you said, is not being invited where I'm like, man, go experience stuff, get a finger in your butt, do some thing, you know, like dress up, go pick up each other at a bar, go, you know, do a bunch of weird shit. That sounds exciting. Yes. There's, there's a, there's a couple of things I want to hit on with this. Um, one please, please. eventually. So what I feel like you're speaking to is um, a, a stage of uh, erotic intelligence, a stage of erotic development, which is the freedom stage, which is like, let me experience everything. Let me actually open myself up to give myself a sort of sexual liberation mm-hmm. is, is, what you, is what you're talking about, of exploring these different desires. And that is an important stage on the development. I, I have an erotic actualization pyramid. And it starts at the bottom. With oh, I condi- love that. Yeah, it starts at the bottom with conditioning. And then it moves up to what you're speaking of, which is freedom, the freedom phase. It's so important. You know, there was this movement in the 60s where people were like, wait, I can be topless. I'm going to burn my bra. You I know? can hump everything. Let's I do it. Everyone. 
Right. And then, you know, of course there's consequences from that kind of thing. And then AIDS comes out, you know I mean? It's like, yeah. but, <laughs> yeah. but, there, but it's, it's like, that's an important phase of actually discovering freedom and it's not the end. What yeah, comes exactly. people move into after that is, is this deeper awareness of the, the, again, the power of the energy that we're, that we're using. And, and after freedom comes growth mm. where there's a growth mindset that happens after freedom, which, which isn't like, which where, where we throw out this notion of, you know, when we say just because I can, doesn't mean I do. And, and we become more discerning. Perhaps we become aware of the power of our sexual energy and we don't let it spill out in every possible desire that we have, but rather we channel it into the ones that really matter. And, and in this phase, often people develop what I believe to be two qualities that if we can really inhabit, we will have amazing sex for the rest of our life and never get bored. And that is the quality of attention and the quality of sensitivity. Neither of those things are about freedom, but they come after freedom where it's like, how can I become even more present? These are, cause often in the freedom phase, people are just running in this cycle of sexual hedonism and they get bored. They well, get yeah, bored. and it can also be so wound-based, you know, it can be so trauma-based too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm really hurt. I was hurt by sexual repression. I was hurt by monogamous repression. And now I'm just going to go spill my sexual energy everywhere. I say this having maybe done it a bit, a lot, but you know, I might have done it too for, <laughs> yeah. for about eight years of my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I might've even had a little longer spell, but it was, and the, the challenge with trauma based or uh, wound based sexuality, which I think is most of our sexuality till it's empowered and, and educated is that it's, it is rewarding in a lot of ways because it rewards self-worth. Oh, you desire me. I'll get my self-worth fed, which I think is um, now available to us through the like button too, right? It's a, just another form of gratification that can be very sexual, especially if we have sexual images, right? And then at the same time, it's rewarded with orgasms if you're lucky and, and with variety, with sexual variety. And there's way less risk when you're traveling through freaking Sweden and you won't see the person in a week. So vulnerability, a willingness to try things. They won't see me again. I can pee on them, you know, like that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yes. And there's something that consensually happens. pee. I better place that consensually pee on someone. Consensually, that's important. Yeah. yeah. Not just out of nowhere, just golden, you know, no, no non-consensual golden showers here. <laughs> yeah. We are not on this. No, no. <laughs> Um, there's, there's something in what you're saying where, uh, it's important to go through that phase, this exploration freedom phase, because it is the exit out of conditioning, right? The conditioning's like, you can't do this, you know, but you should do this. So it's like, when we start exploring what feels like our authentic desires, our authentic desires begin to shift. Mm. And sometimes we get caught in these loops of, of, um, like you said, trauma-based sexual desire, but the way out of that is not through more repression. Yeah. The way out of that is through bringing consciousness to your exploration and shifting into growth. Love that. So when, when you bring consciousness to this exploration, it's like, Oh, what am I actually feeding inside of myself with this? Yeah. What, am I, what am I getting as far as self-worth goes that I'm not giving to myself? 
how can I further meet myself or how can I meet this, this pattern that I have this particular role that, that we, and we're playing out in the bedroom over and over again, or that I'm playing out with different partners over and over again. How can I meet that with a deeper sense of self-love? How can I actually bring myself to that? And this is where, you know, Dr. Carl Jung talks about Jungian psychology, where I, it's one of my favorite ways to look at sexual, a lens to look at sexuality through because of the, the shadow where I look at it, like, it's like, imagine you have a house and your house is your sexuality and you, you go through and in the growth phase, you start, you start really cleaning out your house. You know, you clean out the closets and, and, and things get straightened up and it starts to feel bright and airy and it's amazing. And then at some point you hear this like pounding in the basement and you're like, Whoa, I haven't gone down there in a long time. And you go downstairs and you open the door and you realize, Oh wow, there's this, there's this part of my sexual psyche that, that is, is, is starving. And there's this like locked, there's this problem child that's been locked in this room in the basement. And now it's time to explore that because I've created a foundation of integrity and I've, and I've, I've met myself and I've created safety as an internal experience. I've brought self-love to myself. I, I have a, a, a confidence and self-esteem and that's when the real work starts. You know, the, 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 like the next level of work starts where you're like, whoa, I'm ready to now meet, fully meet this fantasy that I've been, that I've been repressing of, of being objectified or, you know, having a, um, you know, transactional type of sexual experience where, you know, my, my partner is, is a, a patron and I'm a prostitute or, you know, some of these, these yeah. things feel like these darker fantasies where it's like, instead of pretending it's not there and just locking the problem child in the basement, you actually bring it up and, and, and the house is no longer haunted when yeah. we start facing these, these deeper demons. And that's where I think there's a huge release of power. There's a huge release of life force and energy that happens when we connect with these darker parts of ourselves instead of leaving them in the unintegrated shadow where we're not telling anyone about it. You know, this is where you bring it to someone you know, you bring these, these fantasies and these desires to another human being so they can be met in connection. So they're not just this like dark thing that's hanging out that you're just giving more and more power to by repressing it. It's gaining more and more power as this demon in your basement. So I say like, let the demons out and explore them with consciousness and love. Yeah, I totally agree. And that what you're saying is so translational and healing to every aspect of a person. Cause if they're hiding their sexual demons, they're the same part of themselves that's in that basement in a tidy little box, you know, bumping around trying to get out is probably the little kid in us who had desires who were suppressed, not sexual, but just voices, words, expression, passions, purpose, intensity, beliefs, thoughts, all these parts of us that we repress that you're exactly right. You bring them to the surface and you say, okay, let's sit your demon ass down and ask you some questions. Cause maybe Maybe we could bring you into this experience and all of us could be integrated in a healthy way into our sexual experiences. And I guess the, the part I have um, or I want more clarification for for people listening is if, if we do this, right? So let's say I have a, um, a shadow desire to be tied up, right? And although that sounds like a pretty light, beautiful desire, but it would start off probably as a shameful thought. 
you know? And so, or I want to be dominated, which I guess would be one and the same with being tied up. So I want to bring this to my partner. And one, I think is to know that whatever vulnerability you bring to your partner is not for the reward that they'll accept it. It's about you bringing it because that means you accept it first. So if you look for their confirmation that what you're bringing out to the light is okay, it's not through their validation, it's through your expression. So you don't give them the power to say, you're beautiful no matter what you bring to me. You give that power to yourself through the expression. And hopefully you have a partner who can hear you. So how do you recommend um, that being brought forward if you've been living in this like Christian vanilla, not to pick on Christians, but I mean, some sexual oppression up in there. Um, how do you bring this sort of vanilla? You're in a vanilla relationship where a missionary is your only option uh, with eye contact. And all of a sudden you want to bring out some tying up and some doggy style. What, what do you recommend? Absolutely. And I just want to say that I also climbed out of the box of Christian conditioning. Me too. I grew up in that. So Catholic. I, I know what that feels like. And, and I speak from a place of knowing that judgment and repression and shame deeply in, in as, as conditioning that I grew up in. So I think that the biggest thing that's important with making a shift like this in a relationship or even internally, cause it starts mm-hmm. internally, it can seem like it's like, Oh, my partner wouldn't be into that. And that then becomes the excuse to not explore what one truly desires internally. I believe yeah. that it completely starts within. And not so, inviting their shadow out either. Your partner might be like, Oh my God, I've been wanting to tie someone up. And all of a sudden you bring this up and they're like, Holy shit. Right. I can't wait. Let me get the rope. And that's often, that's often what I find actually, which is an interesting thing, but that's step two. So we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yeah. Step I'm getting, I'm already in the bedroom with the rope. Sorry. Yeah. Let me back it up. Ready. He heard, he heard tie up and he didn't skip. A <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, yeah. <laughs> it's often true. But the, the first step is, is, you know, is that awakening? And, and so often it's, it's interesting because you, you made this comment about, you know, how women um, tire of monogamous relationships sooner. I believe that women have more imaginative desire and, and a, a really high libido. They just haven't been given the permission to really explore that wild side and to explore what they really want, or even to explore the depth of the sensuality and and subtlety and love and slowness that they want. I mean, it might be primal. It might be, it might be taboo. It might be sensual. It might be sacred and and tantric. I mean, there's all different, I I have an erotic menu that that talks about all of the different uh, potential desires that we might have. And, And that's what the, the, the erotic muse that lives within the feminine has a lot of ideas. She has a lot of desires and often it's just not given the permission to, to be explored. And that permission begins internally. Please stop waiting for your partner or the culture or media or your religion to give you permission for something that only you can give yourself permission. Mm. That's step one. Amen. Really finding that place inside where it's like, just because I give myself permission for something doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Yeah. It just because I have permission to have the You're free desire. now to choose. Right. Free yeah. now to choose. And, and, and so that I believe is the first place is waking ourselves up to what we really want, which is a vulnerable experience. Because when we are connected to what we want, then there's the possibility of rejection or of, of not having it. And sometimes it's, 
it's easier to stay in this sort of wet blanket of comfortable misery of, of, of not really having what we want, but we don't risk because in that risk is that fear of rejection or failure or not being met. And so I just want to really invite permission for all of the feminine and the masculine. I'm just really zeroing in on the feminine because that's what I've been working with more lately in this course and to, to give ourselves this full permission mm -hmm. from that place, then look at what do you see that this opening up this new desire or even opening up a conversation to have conversation about desire, because that might not even be a paradigm that exists inside of your relationship. What will that do for your relationship? Because human beings are, we're all emotional creatures. So, so we care about, well, what's the emotional result of this? Why do I care? What's in it for me? So if we can bring that as the context for this conversation, it's really valuable. So that might look like, you know, I've, I've, I know we haven't ever talked about this, so this might completely come out of left field, but I am curious about what it is that you really desire. And I would love to share more about what I desire intimately, because I believe that it will bring us closer together. And I have a sense that we both want more closeness and that we both want more satisfaction and happiness and joy in our relationship. And I think that exploring our intimacy in a deeper way is a way that we can create that. Are you willing to open up this conversation with me? Something like that as, as an example. That's well done. Sweet. That's I mean, that type of gentle invitation. I mean, I would recommend that for any type of beginning of any conversation that feels stressful, even regardless of it being sexual is like, Hey, this might sound crazy. This might come from somewhere you have no idea about, but I'm really interested in us, you know, like anytime you make them part of it rather than, because I think a lot of the times when sexual desire comes in, people fear that it will mean not desire for them. Like that, that pattern, especially if it's in a relationship that is based on some form of unconscious suppression, that all of a sudden it's like, Oh, this is about me. Like you're not satisfied by me. I think especially with, us as men, we're more sensitive to it because we're so programmed to be performance-based and our, our status is sexual performance-based. Otherwise, we wouldn't ask questions like, did you just have an orgasm? You know, it, it would be different. But so, yeah, I, what a beautiful sec, like second step. So then what? Then what? Then what? When do we get to the ropes? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so then it's like, okay, so now we've talked about it. And I think that, I mean, I love, I love your, your moving the conversation forward. And this is, I feel like I'm like holding the pull of the feminine and you're holding the pull of the masculine. <laughs> yeah. I already want to penetrate. I'm we're, just like, we're, even, we're dancing in this, even in this conversation, which is amazing because, you know, ladies and gentlemen listening, this is what it will be like. Yeah. The feminine is like, okay, let's have the conversation. The masculine's like, so when do we get to the ropes? Right. Yeah. And so just know that, that, that the feminine is playing its role and the masculine is playing its role. The feminine is playing the role of the, the invitation and the opening and the masculine is paying, playing the role of the action so, and the penetration. So, so bringing just that context, contextual awareness to this. And for the feminine, often there is this desire for slowness in, in moving into the ropes. Mm -hmm. Desire for 
more foreplay. There's a desire for establishing a deeper connection mm-hmm. for, you know, eye contact and even breathing together and, and some sensual touch and really being honored and seen and cherished. And I just want to give that as a, as like a million dollar gold nugget for any men out there and a million dollar gold nugget for women out there to actually ask for what they want. And I know I'm speaking heteronormatively, please forgive me. Most of the couples that I work with are in a heteronormative situation or there's like a clear masculine and feminine. Yeah. Cause you could take those in, I mean, what, what you're speaking to energetically could be a male partner who's in his feminine and a female partner who's in her masculine. So I want to open it up to, you know, or anything in between. Yeah, exactly. Please, please color this with whatever color you need for it to serve you. Male, male, female, female, they, them, they're all All of it. It's welcome. Everything in between. Um, and, and so often, often the, the feminine or the feminine in men, like you said, is, 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 has this desire for this, this more subtlety, this, you know, a slow entry. And so I just want to be aware and, and bring conversation to that where it's like, just because it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with being tied up, honey. Okay, great. That doesn't mean go get the ropes. It's like, how can you start with maybe a next question is like, how do we begin? Yeah. What does that look like for you? What does it look like? Your ankles? Is it your hand? Is it one hand to start? Is it your finger? You know, like you want me to kiss your neck first. Yeah. Want me to like be there with you? Do you want me to ask your ask you how your day was first? What is the entry point? Is you know we we have erotic love languages. You know, a lot of people have heard of the the love languages now, where it's you know physical touch, words of affirmation. Um, acts of service, quality time, and gifts, right? Different ways that people love and be loved. So there's also erotic love languages. There's where, where it's like we are, our entry point in might be hard and fast if we're really connected to our primal energy. And this is, this is the, 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 in the erotic menu, right? We might be really connected to our primal energy and it's like, when do we get started? But we might be more connected to our sensual energy, which is a lot of feminine beings where it's like, I actually want to have a half an hour of foreplay first candles music and yeah okay so we we brought them through the three is there three steps there's that is there more um well i don't know that what i'm talking about is a step more of a context Uh, more of a like okay so you know what you desire we'll recap so you know what you desire now you've opened a conversation about it And you've also opened a conversation about like, how do we even get into this? Like, what's the entry Mm -hmm. point? Like, you know, do we just start off, you know, normally do we start off eye gazing? Do we, do we just go right to the ropes? Like, how do you want to go into it? What do you, what what is your body really desiring? Bringing more curiosity to deepen the conversation of what each of you want. And then, and then you move to the bedroom. Finally, Mark, here's finally, we got there. We got there. There's some some really cool, uh, I believe that the research is done on rhesus monkeys, but it's shown that like when they were studying them in a cage, they saw that the male initiated sex constantly was initiating sex. And so the idea was, well, we're like monkeys and men are always pursuing women for sex, right? Like so much of our research is based on monkeys and studying monkeys. And then we, of course, learn things and then become like we were taught to behave. And what they saw, though, that was when they make the cage bigger and actually remove the cage, that throughout the day, 
that the cage takes away the actual erotic dance that's happening between the female and the male, which is throughout the day, the female is actually initiating cues to show that she wants to have sex with the male monkeys. And so it's actually the female who's the initiator and the choice maker. And so it's really interesting how the cage takes away the dance, which is part of, you know, some of the messaging from Esther Perel's uh, book, Mating in Captivity, which is really fascinating that, you know, you know, sort of getting back to like, what are the narratives that you have that get in the way of your sexual desires and your dreams and your fantasies? And even when you're bringing those to the bedroom, like, how do you continue to be mindful of what sort of how you're supposed to be, what role you're supposed to take. And if you start to just flip those roles on their head, you know what I mean? Like if you're always in your masculine in the bedroom, what happens if you get into the state of more receiving, more sensuality, more whatever it is? I love this. I, I, I so love this conversation. So um, the feminine, I, it's, it's fascinating because I actually believe in what you're saying. And I love that you just gave words to it in that way with the monkeys and the feminine initiating. I believe that the way that that shows up in our relationships is through this model that I'm talking about. And, and part of my fascination with awakening the erotic muse in the feminine is that I believe that the feminine sets the tone, that the feminine is the one who invites. Mm. That, that It's like the feminine is, is, is the one. I mean, often it's like men are sitting there like, can you please just tell me how to please you? It's like, <laughs> Just tell me, I, I, I would love to know, you know, like it's like they're, they're, they're in this place of, um, of confusion because the feminine can be a bit confusing. There's right? a few tests here and there every once in a while, you know, in myself, I'm like, there's, there's one moment where I want this and the next moment I want that. And then I want this. And it's like, when, when I can start to tune into that flow of, of feminine turn on, and, and embody it and be able to speak about it in a way that lets someone know what it is that I'm desiring, then everybody wins. Oh my it, gosh. Yes. It's so important. And, and so, so many, I know either there's been, I remember in a, in a, in, I almost just said in a past life, it feels like a past life, but it was actually, <laughs> um, I, where I, I, it's like, I didn't, I didn't know how to ask for what I wanted. So the way that I asked for it was very masculine and commanding and like telling someone what to do. And it was actually emasculating. And there are certain men that can stand up and meet that. And there's actually another way to ask from the place of yes. Yes, this is what I want more of instead of a place of no, you're not doing it right. Mm, yeah, very different energies very different energy and 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 it and it empowers the you know men or my partner or even I've also had feminine partners it empowers any partner to to show up with the with what I want it's like i'm empowering someone to show up with what i want when i'm coming from a place of focusing on the turn on when i'm coming from a place of focusing on what feels good and focusing on the yes and sharing what I want more of from that place. So I believe that as like being in a state of, I talk about being perpetually turned on by life mm -hmm. and flirting with life, like flirting with life itself as mm -hmm. just a baseline way of being for the feminine. And this really just invites like this vortex of, 
of, of radiance and magnetism and, and, you know, not, not only limited to our partner in the bedroom, but life just starts giving us more of what we want when we really activate this well of radiance. So I focus a lot on personal responsibility for turn on. Like, it's like, I am, I am a hundred percent responsible for being turned on. Anyone that I'm with is a hundred percent responsible for them being turned on. And then, and, and we get to communicate about more of what we want, but it's like, it comes from this idea, not this idea, but this embodiment of, of what turns us on and not from a pressure of it's your job, Mark, it's your job mm-hmm. to know what I want and turn me on. And I show up to you with, you know, my to-do list in my Your head, expectations, my expectations, and- all the pressure of my day and all of that. It's like, how can I be in a place of personal responsibility as like an opportunity and a gift to, to live in this state of turn on. So that's where I feel like connecting more to our erotic muse and to our own turn on as feminine beings is a way that we can, can completely turn our sex life around with our partners. Well, and turn our relationships with ourselves and other people, intimate partners, especially completely heal and transform them. Cause what you're saying is take responsibility for your fucking self, take responsibility for asking for what you need. And if you've never been able to do that as a kid, you didn't learn how to get your needs met because no one could, or no one was around or someone else had all their needs as a priority and the family pivoted around those. That's all not your fault. But it's your responsibility to learn how to express what you want and what you need. And that's why I think it's such a magnifying glass to what goes on in your life, what happens in a bedroom, because are you actually good at receiving? You know, like, are you actually good at receiving? I know for me, the majority of my younger uh, life, especially sexual life, was spent on other people's needs. It was like, if I take care of them, then no one will ask if I'm hurting or any, if everything's okay with me. And... I could now look back and see that completely, that it was like, I'll master this. I'll become so good in my brain, at least at this, that, that there will not be a focus on me. And I think at the other side, the other side of this too, is that, you know, when you actually learn how to say, I love how you said it. Like when you do the request, do it from a place of yes, like not, Hey, not that go left or not that speed up instead of, it feels so good when you use your tongue faster or whatever it is that the expression is. And in that is such that vulnerability of an example of how we do everything in life, which is, are, are, is your response to that going to determine how I feel about me? You know, is it, or is it not? Is it separate from my own responsibility for my own turn on and my own, you know, all those things. And I think there's such a delicious vulnerability that comes from being able to, express what you need in the bedroom and there be vulnerably met, but also know that you are building a customized cunnilingus and fellatio machine. Like, wouldn't you want that instead of them just stumbling down there with their tongue exhausted and their jaw, they're falling asleep down there. Like, God, it's like every human requires a Google maps. It's not all, you know, it's like you can't put one destination into everybody and just think it's all the roads to Denver are not the same as the roads to New York. You got to figure, you got to ask questions, lots and lots of questions. And that's true of our emotional blueprint as much as it is of our sexual blueprint. Completely. And, and if you're, if you're a feminine being, then oftentimes the, the, the route that you normally take 
from Denver to Boulder might have construction that day. And, and there's actually a completely <laughs> I love that. different route on the back roads that you, you need to go today. I mean, so <laughs> being aware of the constant curiosity and, and I just think it's like, it's like for, for, you know, the masculine out there, I mean, for, for the feminine too, but really it's like, if you're like, how do I really please her curiosity? I mean, just being interested and curious and, and attentive is, is so much of what the feminine wants. It's like, she wants to be seen. She wants you to, to be curious about her. And, and then, and then for the, the, the feminine, it's like the masculine wants for you to speak up. They want to know what you want. You know, this, this, I think that I call it, you know, the Disney princess programming is, is such a, such a, a negative impact on all of us because there's the idea that's like, okay, I lay down and fall asleep for however many years. I don't remember <laughs> nine years. <laughs> and then suddenly Prince Charming comes and saves me. It's like, there's no ownership in that. There's no self-leadership. So it's like we get to lead ourselves into the relationships that we want, the connections that we want, the kind of intimacy that we want. But, but it requires actually some risks some vulnerability and, and that, that sexual confidence of, of bringing ourselves more fully into what we want. Yeah. And isn't that also going to keep someone in the identity that they have to be wounded and someone who needs to be saved, you know, as opposed to like in both men, you're not some warrior trying to save everybody. Fuck, like put the sword down and women pick the sword up. Like, you know, you know, like really own step into that. And it's, it is a place where we can be met equally rather than, you know, like in that space of, God, falling asleep for nine years and then being saved. That, that I've heard so many people, especially women, um, and I hate to genderize, but uh, it's, I've heard a lot of people, but especially women, say things like, if he loved me, he'd just get me. And I'm like, that's so much to place love on. It's also so much to place your soulmate status on because the whole purpose of being a human being, well, is not to be complex, but you are complex. So no one's going to just get you, you know, it just couldn't, you know what I mean? I think that there's a, you know, there's a breaking down that we can do of a statement that's like, if he blank, then I would blank. There's just something in that kind of a statement that sets up a condition and expectation where it's it, like for the feminine, the, the way that, that I look at it, and believe me, I, I have done this. I mean, I'm speaking, I'll speak from my personal experience. It, it's like, I've, I've been like, if you love me, then you would do this. And, and, and there's, there's such an ultimatum and, and a, a, a command and domination in that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a, there's a different place that we can come from. Everything in life is about come, come from like, where are you actually originating from when you make the statement? Is it from a place of, um, you know, of, of victim consciousness and not having, and having an identity wrapped up in this thing that someone is or is not doing for us? Or is it from this place of fullness and opening and like, wow, you know, when you take out the garbage, I feel so loved. It's, it's amazing. Like, I really love it. Like how, you you know what I mean? Like, that's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden there's never garbage in the bin. You know, <laughs> as soon as it hits the bottom out. 
Right. Cause there's a, there's, there's a, again, it's this enrolling someone and inviting them into your experience that you have when they do something instead of demanding that they do something so that you have an experience. Mm, I love that. That's such a transition of um, rewarding behavior you want rather than criticizing behavior you don't. And that is, you know, there, I remember listening to this line from, uh, I read it in Harville Hendrick's book and it said, uh, um, most people operate from the place of I'm get, not getting what I need from my relationship. And he says in the book to turn it around as what does my relationship from need from me in order to get, give me that thing. And that's such a turnaround of responsibility that your relationship is a place that you nurture, not where you're nourished. You know, you can be nourished through the connection, but the connection will not nourish you if you don't nourish it. And that's true of, I mean, I love what you're saying about the sexual space, actually, because I think it can be not a bypass, but an actual, um, well, it can be a bypass, but it can be such a um, contributory and uh, wordless or, or wordless in some way, um, ultimate healing space, like just through the healing of the experience in that tantric space that you can be seen and see someone that can bypass so many conflicts and conversations, not step beyond them and not acknowledge them, but actually have healing done within this beautiful shared cultivated love, safe and, and, and nourished space. Absolutely. And I believe that what you're saying is possible with self or with other there, you can actually create, uh, it, something I call an erotic ritual where, whether you are in, in relationship, it's like you have your erotic ritual night together mm-hmm. where it's like each person shares and you bring what it is that's, that's tender for you in this moment, what's up for you, you know, what's the, what's the emotional energy you're wanting to explore more of, or the part of yourself you're wanting to explore. And then how can we meet this in our intimate connection together, you know, and, and play with that. it might look like, you know, wrestling sometimes it might be like, actually, I'm kind of angry with you. How can we bring this to the bedroom and, and wrestle it and let our primal bodies sort it out in a few seconds where our minds might be in therapy talking about it for the next five years. (laughs) how can we actually meet this in a more creative way that works because the, 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 the energy is stored in the body. So you can talk about your problems over and over again and develop better problems, or you can actually (laughs) meet the, the somatic experience. And when you can do that in, this is where the bedroom becomes a dojo. And that can also translate to a personal erotic ritual where, where we can develop a way of, of meeting ourselves and a way of being with ourselves in pleasure and in connection to our emotions, like reconnecting the, the, the energy centers of our heart and our genitals and our mind so that they aren't operating as three different units, but rather as an integrated ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, we become more in alignment. Everyone talks about this idea of alignment, right? Where it's like all of the parts of us are in a coherent field. There's a connection and a resonance, like a harmony. If you imagine like when, when people are playing, um, instruments together and they're out of tune, it's kind of like, eh, that's, that's strange. It's not working. That can happen in our bodies when our sexuality, our heart and our mind isn't integrated. But when it's integrated, there's this, there's this upright system and this alignment that happens where 
there's a deep sense of, of internal knowing and connection and self-love and power that we then bring into our relationship or into our life. And that's kind of what you're talking about of having you nourishing the relationship. There has to be a personal practice that one has to manage their own energy and deepen in their own energy in order to nourish the relationship. Because if you're coming to the relationship with an empty cup and you're just confused and out of alignment, then it's going to, you're going to get more of that from the relationship. But if there's a way that we can develop a personal erotic ritual, a way of, of honoring ourselves and honoring our desire and then bringing that to our partner, that's inspiring. That's turning your relationship into inspiration instead of obligation. And if you don't know how your own tool works, how are you going to express to someone else? Like, uh, this is how you hold my hammer. I've never held it, but, uh, yeah, just try some stuff. You know, it's so much easier to get to know yourself yes, and then fast track someone or slow track them to where you want to get to or how you want to feel in that moment. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, gosh, if everybody's not slippery and wet right now, listening to this, I don't know what is happening. We did it wrong. <laughs> so we'll do better. We'll do better. Yeah. right we'll have to have more sexually explicit content next time um so where do people find you to go you know get more of this information that you have and and get more sexually empowered and understanding their sexual blueprint and and how they step into this wild godless goddess godlike whatever the words are stage absolutely so there's a, a few links. Um, I am active on social media. So that's a wonderful way to connect with me. Um, my Facebook is facebook.com slash Miss Jamie Elizabeth, M-I-S-S-J-A-M-I-E-E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H. My Instagram is holistic sex coach. And my website is jamieelizabeththompson.com. J-A-M-I-E-E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N.com. And um, you can reach out to me on any of those. And if in particular, you are a feminine being and you are interested in awakening your erotic muse and becoming a more turned on sexually empowered being who knows how to claim what she wants. my I have a course that is beginning in July. And I run this four times a year. And the website for that is awakening your erotic muse.com. Those links are on my, on my social platforms as well. And please reach out to me if you have any questions or you're interested in one-on-one work. I am available and have a wait list currently for one-on-one work, but I do open up spaces in a couple months. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that we link all of those things out in the show notes too. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm, I only know everybody will get so much value from this, so I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on.